Hello, Horror Fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast. Oh, oh the, the horror. horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe or follow to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. And you can check our website out at ohthehorrorpodcast.com. Catch out our uh, back catalog, our old episodes, newest episodes. You can do that if you're... If you dig those things. Yeah, if you want to uh, engage you can, us. You can just sit back and do nothing. Yep. You can do that, too. If you want to participate in the malarkey of the Facebook group, you can join it there. <laughs> hey, or I'm you can trying keep it, hard to curate yeah. a nice space where everyone can find a little something-something. Yeah, so we're here for Revenant. And Rougarou. Rougarou. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a Louisiana's werewolf. Yeah. Revenant's kind of the swashbucket slash bucket for zombie. It's pretty much the undead are your your revenants. Pretty much, yeah. So, how do you want to do this? You want to go first? I'll last? go first. Okay. Um, my I have two two sources. Okay. Uh, PelicanStateOfMind.com, uh, Louisiana history Rougarou of the Louisiana Werewolf by Frank Kerner mm. and reddit.com no sleep Rougarou stories so let's nice. dive right into this sure the history of the Rougarou which is Louisiana's werewolf as, as stated and I'm going to start with a direct quote from Frank Kerner's article the full moon hangs high over the Louisiana swampland the bright lights of the stars flicker in the murky licks of the waves near the towering, ominous cypress trees. Frogs croak their songs in the distance, and mosquitoes buzz as they fly around looking for their next meal. There's a howl in the distance. It sounds like a wolf, but something's a little off. Standing on two legs on top of a fallen, moss-covered tree is a large, snarling beast. It throws its head back, letting out a blood-curdling howl to the moon. That's no wolf, werewolf, though. That's what we in Louisiana call the Rougarou share. Mm. So when traveling down the interstate or the back roads in Louisiana, you'll see, as mentioned, beautiful scenery, remnants of history, whether it's old and potentially haunted buildings, abandoned theme parks, or even museums with some very strange collections. Back in the thick fog-covered swamplands is where you'll find the true beauty of Louisiana and perhaps even a monster or two including the legendary beast called the Rougarou. The history of the Rougarou is centuries old and has many different origins, but the earliest mention of the infamous mythical Louisiana werewolf comes from medieval France. Medieval France and the legend of the Loup Garou. Back in the day of armor, swords, and jousting, there was a lot more to fear than the plague and witches. Beasts called Loup Garou which means werewolves in French, were also infamous throughout the country. Back in the 16th century, they'd regularly blame various crime on loup garou. Apparently, that was a thing they did back then. Did your house get ransacked during the night? Loup garou. Mm. Did a child disappear from the village with seemingly no trace? Loup garou. So it's the catch-all. Yeah, 
kind of like the catch-all, oh, you've got a cow that's sick? Mm-hmm. It was a witch. They obviously cursed you. Yeah. That type of deal. Personally, I'd never hear about something terrible and say, yeah, that's definitely the work of a werewolf or something like that. Yeah. Similar, case yeah. closed. But it is an interesting problem that they've had to deal with for centuries. And that makes the morning commute not seem so bad, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> you no know? kidding. In the broad scheme of things, we don't have... We don't have werewolves to worry about. No. The villagers would capture people they believed to be a loop guru and then hold a public trial. Usually they'd find someone in the woods or someone in the village who was, quote unquote, acting strange. The court would ask the public if they believed the accused to be a loop guru. And usually the public agreed mainly for fear they'd be outed as a witch or a loop guru themselves. These loop gurus became a fear for many people in the country, leading to them earning their place in legends passed down to children. The French Catholics claimed that you would be turned into a loop guru if you did not follow the rules of Lent for seven consecutive years. There was Seven years? Yeah, which means, by that logic, we're both loop gurus. There was also a story that was told to kids that if they didn't do what their parents asked, a loop guru would come and steal them away in the middle of the night. Also, I would have been stolen and taken away in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. When many of the French migrated to Canada and the southern United States, they took their legend of the loop guru with them. Enter Cajun country and the legend of the Rougarou. Remember when we were watching Cajun Justice? How will I ever forget (laughs) those beautiful times of watching Cajun Justice? Quite possibly the best show that ever graced television, streaming TV, what have you. My favorite was that the captain of the police department would drive the seized vehicles of the drug dealers. So he had like... He had Mustangs. He had vets. Yeah, he was driving. <laughs> I think he was driving like an Alfa Romeo for yeah, the longest time yeah. or something like that. Yeah, just to rub it into their faces. Exactly. There was only one season, I think. No, and it that's was a shame. So good because that was such a good show. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Well, in that show, they did have a reference to the Rougarou. I remember uh, in a couple episodes, yeah. they uh, they were blaming whatever was happening on the Rougarou. So, since the migration, many of the legends began to change to match the times and the dialect in which people were speaking. Since Cajun dialect is a mix of French and English and well-known for changing words completely, they say to roll off the tongue easier, mm, beg to differ, Yeah. the name of the beast changed from Lukguru to Rougarou, um, also spelled R-O-U-X-G-A-R-O-U-X. R-U-G-A-R-O-O or R-U-G-A-R-U. So I guess it depended on who was writing down said story of Rougarou that determined the spelling of it. So within the swamps of Greater New Orleans and the uh, Acadiana is where this beast it has come to live or is supposed to have lived. He might even be neighbors with the Honey Island Swamp Monster, which is also known as Louisiana's Bigfoot of the Swamp, and I think we need to do an episode on him. (laughs) 
Cajun legend says that the beast hunts down Catholics who don't follow the rules of Lent, yeah. which is similar to the telling of the old French stories. And another telling of the story says that the Rougarou is under a 101-day curse unless the affected person can transfer the curse to another human being. Mm. And then their, their curse usually comes from a local witch, sometimes a voodoo priestess. So it's kind of like COVID. Yeah, all yeah. Right. <laughs> you just pass it on for 101 days. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. just got to deal with it. Yeah, it is said that you can protect yourself against the Rougarou by, and this is my favorite, mm. laying 13 small objects by your doors. Apparently, when a person changes into a Rougarou, they forget how to count past 12, man. So mm. probably since they only worry about midnight and the moon, I don't think that's the reason for it, I think they're an animal, man. They don't count. <clears throat> but, you know, what do I know? The Rougarou will see the 13 objects, try to count them, doubt it, and be unable to count them all, and it'll perplex it. It'll keep recounting until the sun comes up, and by then it's got to flee. Mm. So, fun fact. It's an elaborate system there. I like it, though. It's elegant. Right? It's an elegant solution. Yes, it's yeah. almost like the mustard seeds on yeah. the uh, the vampires. The vampires, yeah. I gotta, I gotta get them all. Yeah. Can't leave, can't leave one here. You leave one, and oh, yeah. And who then knows they're just they're happen. stuck in a logic loop. Yeah. You yeah. know, until sun comes out. The end. Shit! Oh, yeah. I gotta go. Damn it! I fell for it again. <laughs> Jinkies! <laughs> now they're gonna talk about me all week. <laughs> so, fun fact: Rougarou rum is manufactured by Donner Peltier Distillers in Thibodeau, Louisiana, has a special praline-flavored version called Rougarou 13 Pennies. Really? Yes. Does it taste like pennies? I I don't know, because when pennies are supposed to be like a copperish taste, yeah. and praline is way different from copper. That's why I never really got into uh, like malt liquor back in the day. Wasn't your jam? It just tasted like pennies to me. Like I was just drinking. <laughs> like somebody just stuck a bunch of pennies. Yeah, like in somebody a jar. just tucked a roll in, like <laughs> yeah. the forty of yeah. malt liquor. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, I bet this would be good without the pennies. You know what this this doesn't need? Pennies. pennies. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody, you know, all right, because I remember drinking it first, and I was like, maybe I got a bad one. Right. Yeah. And I drank someone else's, and it's the same one. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, so yeah. the pennies are prominently featured. Yeah, I'll drink this when I'm really drunk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll I save think that's that. kind of the point, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Either. I know there's different brands, and you had to, it's kind of like beer. You get the right one. Well, no, it's like beer, too. Like, you start off with the good beer, and then you're just By the end of the night, drinking Old Milwaukee will do just fine. Whatever. <laughs> Jenny Cream Ale, you know. <laughs> Peels. It's in a can. <laughs> So despite the fact that it was originally a legend, there are still claimed sightings of the Rougarou to this day, though it has died off a bit in the past decade. Uh, not on Cajun Justice. Well, you know, it was funny with Cajun Justice is they were messing around with that newer cop on the show or in mm -hmm. the in, on the force there. And he was from New York. He was a New York cop. Yeah. And it was funny because, like, in the beginning, he's like, yeah, I don't believe in any of this stuff. You know, these guys got all these stories down here, whatever. Typical New Yorker, yeah. you know. And then it was funny because, like, as the week progressed and they were looking into this thing, he's like, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. At one point, a uh, a voodoo priestess put a curse on him, or at least they told him that's what she did. Yeah, I think they told him. And yeah. he spiraled out of control. Out of control. That it was, was it. awesome. That was it. Guys, I can't stress this enough. Do yourself a favor. It's just the one season. Check yeah. out Cajun Justice. It's even if it's still around. Who knows? Oh, you, yeah. You'll find it somewhere. Yeah, Google it. Check it out. It's fun. So, believe it or not, there's an annual Rougarou Festival in Puma every year. And this is my favorite. The Audubon Zoo in New Orleans has a Rougarou exhibit, which includes a statue of the creeper creature in all its swampy glory. Really? Yeah. You can go to a zoo. (laughs) (laughs) They've got an exhibit of a cryptid. That no one has confirmed exists. Well, it does now. There it is. It's right there. It's a Rougarou. The New Orleans Pelicans had originally thought about changing their names from the Hornets to the Rougarous at one point as well. That would have been a balls maneuver right there. I know. I mean, who wouldn't vote for the Rougarous or root for them? It'd be cool. So. Let's get to a supposed true account yeah. of an encounter, okay. the Rigaroo. This is from Reddit, mm-hmm. posted by you, Whack, yeah, K-R-E-W-E, Fucking four handles. years ago. Handles kill me. So I think it's supposed to be like, yeah, crew, uh, Bayou Tales of the Rugaroo. Growing up on Bayou Tesh, Deep in Cajun country, I'd hear tale of the Rougarou monster many times. According to those who claim a sighting, the Rougarou is a humanoid, wolf-like creature that prowls our small settlement, snatching pets for food, and sometimes snatching people, too. Fun. Story after story of the Rougarou being seen right before he runs deeper into the swamp to hide, townspeople like to speculate if there could be more than one monster. Growing up in our tired little bayou town, talk of the Rougarou was a constant. I'd heard all the tales, but always believed them to be nothing more than a fun story, something told to pass the time and make the long days a bit more interesting. Simply a campfire story that's told deep in the swamps of Louisiana by generations of Cajun French families. I know better now. I was a high school senior nearing graduation when it happened. Few in my town, and even fewer in my uh, bloodline, had ever left Bayou Tesh. The vast majority of those born there also die there. I longed for more, wanted out, and saw college as my ticket to freedom, much to my family's dismay. I was accepted with a full ride at a state university three hours north. My hard work had finally paid off, and I started spending my days dreaming of a life and a future far away from the simple ways of the Bayou folk. Was he a mascot at the college, and they were the Ruggaroos? Doesn't say. That'd be a crazy it sense really of irony right does, there. It doesn't even say which state university, just, just a, a state. state university. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, could this be suspicious? Maybe. Who knows? It's Reddit. Yeah, so. yeah. So one lazy afternoon after school, the sun was starting to drop and I was laying back in my pirogue, a small flat bottom boat. I was staring at the clouds, listening to the chatter of the frogs, daydreaming while letting the slow bayou current push me downstream toward home. All of a sudden I jumped up, 
startled out of my daze by a loud splash. I quickly looked at the water around the the boat, trying to find the telltale ripples that would indicate a gator was close by. It was Daryl Hannah. (laughs) Gators often splash around our boats, but they're usually harmless. If we leave them be, they leave us be. Well, for the most part. Mm -hmm. But this time, I saw nothing but flat water. There didn't appear to be any gators nearby. Lots of creatures call the swamp home, and I started to relax again, deciding it was probably just a snake dropping from a tree into the water in search of food. Sure. But... Then I heard a fast uh, series of staccato splashes and turned around to find myself face-to-face with what could only be a Rougarou. Mm. The water, chest high on me, came up to its hips just below its waist. Its arms were abnormally long, misshapen, and hairy, but its face is what caused me to open my mouth to scream. Large, soulful black eyes tucked under hairy ears and over a flat snout with two large, yellowed canine teeth hanging crooked out of its mouth. The Rougarou's hair was colored the browns and reds of the swamp from the muddy brown color of the bayou water to the dark reds of the cypress tree roots. Before the scream could leave my throat, the Rougarou clamped its giant hand over my mouth and no sound escaped. It then pushed me to the floor of the boat and pinned me down with its foot. I was terrified, certain I was being snatched for its dinner, just as in the tales I'd heard all of my life. Not going to lie, I was scared out of my mind. I quickly pissed myself and began to shake and cry. I really wish I could say I fought a valiant fight that day, but that's not how it went down. (laughs) I was unable to move, frozen with fear, and couldn't even begin to fight back. As I lay there, pinned down, I heard the familiar sound of my backpack zipper being unzipped. Then I felt a shifting weight as I heard the rigaroo inhale deeply, one giant loud sniff. Most of my backpack's contents were then strewn around the inside of the boat, landing everywhere. My calculus textbook banged me squarely on the forehead, drawing blood. I heard a crinkling sound as the Rougarou suddenly jumped up and leapt into the water with amazing speed and agility. Once it got to the shore, it took off running in the distance, was quickly uh, shrouded by the thick swamp vegetation, and was gone. Did the Rougarou take his weed? No. It's better. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I spent who knows how long just attempting to compose myself. I then rinsed my pants out in the bayou water, trying to wash away both the smell of urine and the shame I felt at my cowardly reaction. I finally stopped shaking and started repacking my backpack when I had a realization. There was only one item missing. The Rougarou had taken only one thing, my favorite study snack, the snack I was known for always having in my book bag. Swedish fish. My extra large sharing size bag of M&M's. It was gone. I eventually calmed down and made it home after the sun had set. I, had, I let my dad holler at me for being late, and no one noticed the cut on my forehead. After that day, I gave up floating the bayou alone, never saw the Rougarou again. Well, of course. I went on to graduate high school and moved away to college as I had planned. Getting out of the bayou has been everything I'd hoped for and more. I go back to visit family once per year, usually around the holidays. When I go home, I still hear the old Rougarou tales being told, but now told to a new generation of Cajun kids. Mm-hmm. My family has never left the bayou to come visit me, but that's okay. It's come. I've come to understand some of the pull the swamp has on them. 
Aside from getting this story off my chest here, I've never shared what happened that day with a single person. Not one. I haven't added my Rougarou encounter to the infamous Bayutesh Rougarou lore, nor do I plan to. Some stories are best left untold, you know? That and I never eat M&Ms anymore. I haven't eaten a single M&M since that day I shared my bag with the Rougarou. That's a tragedy right there. It's crazy. Yeah, right? Takes the M&M's. All I could think of was E.T. Yeah. With the Reese's Pieces. Reese's, yeah. So, guys, the moral of the story is always have, like, Skittles, M&M's. Always have an offering. Yeah. Bring some sort of candy that you can give said mm-hmm. beast. Yeah. And your, your dollars, you're good to go. Like, you don't got to worry about I it. I think that's just in general. It's not a bad life yeah. plan, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, be prepared for the worst. Have an offering. Well, nothing cheers someone up. Yeah. It's just like a nice little offering treat, so right. to speak. Yeah. yeah. And if you're one of those people who are like, oh, what if this thing is allergic to peanuts? Just have plain M&Ms. Yeah, yeah. Or Skittles. They can taste a rainbow. Yeah. And I mean, they can get all jacked up on sugar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It'd be great. It'd be great. It would be good. It's a good, I like that story. I do too. <laughs> I like that story a lot. <laughs> it's, uh, it's good times, man. <laughs> it's weird though. Have it, I ever told you about the time I pissed myself? Well, sit down. Yeah. Let me wax poetic for a moment. And, and here's the bad thing. Pissing myself wasn't the worst thing that happened that day. No, actually, that was probably the best thing that happened to me that yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> That's bad. It's bad when pissing yourself. Yeah, is the Eats best right thing. up there, and yeah. you're like, you know, in the broad scheme of things, yeah, it was okay. It was warm, comfortable for a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think he just packs like an extra pair of pants every? I wonder if dude doesn't go out on the water anymore and doesn't even eat M&Ms anymore. This was a profound life event for him. Yeah, that sounds like that's never going to be recoverable. Yeah, no. I bet he was like, fuck this shit. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to put my head down and I'm just going to study my balls off. And then I am getting the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah, but he comes back for the holidays. Well, I mean, it is his family. Here's the deal. If something crazy happened to me that I can't explain, mm-hmm. especially, I'm trying to think if I would go, like, what would be the frequency? Like, twice would definitely be it. If it happened to me twice, I'd be like, look, I'm never fucking coming back here. Right. But, the like, one time, yeah, yeah I'm not, like... I get right back on the horse with pretty much anything. You get right back in your boat and get back out on I the I think water. my problem is the morbid fascination. I'd want to find it. I'd be that exact You'd opposite. be traveling with Reese's Pieces, M&M's, I'd, and Skittles. I'd be the crazy guy with the room with the charts and like the yarn, <laughs> you know, that meme where the guy's pointing at the wall and yeah. he's like, this is, you, you know. You got all your, li- your, yeah, uh, your I got lines. All my lines, you know. Push pins. Push pins and, you know, just. I got a grease board on there that we were just talking about the other earlier. Where it says, do not erase. Do not erase, you know. Or I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. 
this is this is five years of my life on this board and on this wall. <laughs> yeah, you would have left me at year one, and I would have been like, oh well. I mean, somebody's got to figure the rugaru out, it, man. She, somebody's got to figure this out. I'll be it, and yeah, yeah. I would grow my hair out, whatever is left. Oh God. Yeah, and it just be that balding man like fro that just looks deranged and oh yeah yeah i'd go too far because that's you what i do <laughs> just go <laughs> it just go too far every time hey jen what happened to frank just just don't it was it was one thing i thought like i it's the first time i've ever talked to you about this when i went sober i was hoping that that would stay back with the booze and, oh, the going and, and too the far around. Yeah, I thought the going too far. I, <laughs> I was like, maybe, maybe the going too maybe far. Was all the booze. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe leave it's that. It's not a key point of my personality. Yeah, maybe it's not. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's or maybe it's juice. just that chemical like reaction. Like I'll, I'll drink the, I'll drink booze, or I'll just get ripped out on coke or something like that, and I just. And it just flips this switch. And I'm thinking like, well, if I don't do that. How then... sad were you to discover that that was not the fact? I wasn't sad, but I was a little disappointed because now it's like, yeah, all right, this is me. Fuck. This is me. me. This is a trait I have. <laughs> and I'm taking it to the grave. This is another thing I got to fight in my life. You know, it's another thing I got to just, just suppress the urge back. No, no crazy Frank. Stay there. Stay there, Crazy Frank. I know the journey would be amazing to check this out, Crazy Frank. I know it would. But Crazy <laughs> Frank, you got to stop. We can't do that now. I'm in my late 40s. We can't okay? do that now. We've done Crazy Frank for, for a long time, and we had a good run, Crazy Frank. <laughs> but Crazy Frank, you deserve a break. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just... Take a break. Relax, Crazy Frank. And Crazy Frank's like, no, no. somebody's got to know about, we, we got to, we got to dive in. We got to do this. We got to dive in. Screw the nose plugs. Get in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I never had that talk with you. <laughs> well, I mean, you just did. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Was it cathartic? Yeah, a little bit. All right. Yeah. Told you and mm, everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. So is that it for the Rougarou? That is it for the Rougarou. Well, thanks for sharing, babe. That was nice. Hey, anytime. Yeah. I got the Revenant. Nice. Yeah. It is pretty nice, actually. I had a a bunch of sources. Mm -hmm. Um, Started with Wiki. Then I went to uh, nacademic.com. I had to check the Supernatural Wiki because it's the Supernatural Wiki. Yeah, yeah. I didn't grab anything from there, but uh, 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 this RuthJSalter.com in 2017 did a, uh, a Halloween post uh, called Restless Revenants, and I checked that out. Okay. But I got most, 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 I got most of my stuff Yeah. Okay. from uh, mythology.net okay. under a subheading of mythical creatures, the Revenant. And uh, I grabbed a lot of it. I could, it's, It'll almost be borderline ripoff, but it's more props to the site. And that's why we list right. sources yes. because yeah. you can't take credit for all this stuff. No. You know, except the stupid stories. Of, our stupid stories. Yeah. We can only claim our stupid shit. And now they're your stories. That's, our stories. Now your story. And you can pass it on. I miss that show. 
Homicide Hunter yeah. is uh, the reference. Yeah. Also, I mean, it's no Cajun justice, but... Yeah, but if you were to watch one... This dude yeah. had a uh, homicide detective... Paul Bunyan? Joe Kenda. <laughs> had Joe one Bunyan. of the best clearance rates. Yeah. It was... It's pretty amazing. And he's a school bus driver. And he's now. a bus driver now. I know. That's cool. <laughs> and his wife was a nurse, which yeah. eh, sometimes made things a little hairy. I guess. All right. So the revenant. Tell me about tell basically me about the five the five cent de- description, so to speak. Okay. It's an animated corpse mm-hmm. that's been, you know, basically believed to have been revived from death. Right. So you gotta die first. So it's a reanimation. To haunt the living. Okay. So it's not just reanimating for reanimating purposes. Uh, you know, I'm here, this is what I do now. Kind of like the walking dead where the walkers just go yeah. around and eat brains, you know. They don't even say brains. They're just uh, Yeah. <sighs> yeah. But this is a actual like true intent. Okay. So the word revenant is derived from the old French word, get ready, revenant. Whoa. <laughs> Which means the returning. Okay. And, uh, you know, contains the French verb uh, revenir. Okay. And uh, that's meaning to come back, mm-hmm. so to speak. So that sets the pretense of the revenant. Okay. Uh, you had the different types. But basically, revenants would come back to haunt the living. And it was required to create a revenant was a restless and, like, vengeful, vengeful spirit. And mm. basically a vengeful spirit that would have lived a wicked life. Okay. Or had a wicked situation. So like situation. an H.H. Holmes coming back. Yeah, okay. perhaps. Or a victim of H.H. Holmes. Who was like, fuck this coming shit. Coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's uh, this level of trauma, so to speak. Yes. There's loose requirements. It's not. It's like, not set in stone. Yeah. like like a, It's not 13 pennies. <laughs> it's not 13 pennies. It's not like a, uh, a vampire where you get the bite. Right. And then, like all this, you know, takes place in all these steps. It's, it's or you loose, drink water you know? out of the werewolf's foot's footprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which to get there, that'd be weird. That, that's committing. But yeah, and you can check that out on our werewolves episode <laughs> or our vampires episode yeah. for vampires. But basically, what this did is it opened up categories of revenants significantly. Okay. So it was uh, believed that other evil beings could come back as revenants. Right. Okay. And people that had evil things happen. And uh, with the addition of other mythical beings like werewolves and witches, uh, they were categorized as being able to come back as a revenant. Okay. It had a real wide berth, wide scope. And it's un- So essentially anything could come back as a revenant. Yeah. Impose a threat to developing society got it you know and it's agreed that majority of revenants seem to be possessed by a need to come back and continue the wicked agenda they carried out during their days among the living mm-hmm. there are some accounts who just seem to be motivated by their violent and often tragic deaths so it could be just a tragic death too right yeah you know but typically revenants were not violent or wicked during their lifetime but experienced this tragic or gruesome death mm-hmm and it would be this uh, mechanism to come back and harass living relatives. Uh, it's noted that some of these creatures had much more like a sinister agenda right. once they'd get the name. Some revenants uh, who were not wicked in their lifetime are said to come back with just the sole purpose of exacting revenge of some sort. Right. You know, the vengeful spirit yep. bit. So, you know, if there was a murder. Yeah, they're know, coming back. They're coming back and they're to after. To avenge their murder. They're after HH, you yeah. know. So... 
so revenants who uh, appear in ghostly form are said to take the appearance of their corpse in most cases. Uh, though there are revenant ghosts who can be identified because they appear soon after a corpse has been buried and are uncommonly uh, clean and, you know, like well-dressed, overdressed and stuff like that. But other than taking a ghostly form, these revenants tend to follow the same rules as others who have come back from the land of the dead. And this would be, you know, the, um, you know, just the gruesome, terrible-looking beast type of thing or or corpse. Uh, There's plenty of tales that tell of revenants who come back to life to hunt and haunt specific people, of course. And the majority of revenant stories consist of the creature seeking to spread death and disease among surviving members of either the village city or wherever. Right. But because of this, it's often hypothesized that tales of the revenant came into being when people happened across a dead body that was in the stage of decomposition composition okay and that was unfamiliar to the living at that point in time okay. these are old stories yeah. the revenants yes um and i'll get into a couple of those towards the end but basically these are real old stories and it would really partake in a spot where people just don't understand decomposition back when leeches were medicine maybe and drilling a hole in the head was great for a headache but it worked <laughs> it worked so physical appearance. The revenant is most commonly associated with death and disease because of its ghastly appearance. It is said that the revenant uh, almost always appears in a body that has begun to decay. Okay. But it is not decomposed to the point that it can't be recognized by those who view it in life. So there's that little kind of yeah. window of opportunity. You've got to be just decayed enough. Yeah. But to, to have where that. Where you can be reanimated, yeah. but not too decayed where they can't tell who you are. Y- or what you were. Yeah, but just just can tell. Like, you yeah. know, oh, that is that is Bob because of the jawline. You know, something like that. <laughs> uh, you know, so basically plenty of witnesses claim to have seen a revenant in their writings. It was often said that a revenant could uh, be detected long before it came into view because of the smell. smell. Yeah. And the creature was said to smell of decomposition. Uh, and it could be identified, you know, just a long ways away. So in addition to the odor, the revenant is said to have rotting teeth, sunken eyes that are thought to glow red. Fingernails are described as bloody, jagged from the effort it took to dig out of the grave. And the clothes are usually in the same state of decay and destruction. And they're often torn in the process because, you know, they were escaping out. Yeah. Tore their shirt up. It's thriller. Basically. Thriller is the revenant, like, description there where they come out of the graves Mm -hmm. and the ground. That would be the closest thing to today. Yeah. You know, that would be accurate to that. So the body is, a, you know, just a fearful sight to behold. Chunks of flesh and, you know, rev, you know, taken out and um, you could see the bones and internal organs. Right. Yep. Uh, if the revenant did have skin, it was, you know, reported to hang from the limbs. And uh, those who were unfortunate enough to have seen revenants in person also reported these creatures as having maggots and worms inside of yep. open wounds and, you know, eyes and mouth, all of that stuff. So why does a revenant come back from the dead? We alluded about that a little bit earlier, but it's said that they come back for a variety of reasons. And most of it is motivated by business that they perceive to be unfinished. Right. The unfinished business. And leaving their lives without completing 
that purpose caused their souls to become restless and is often thought to cause them to repossess their once living course and walk among the living again. In the majority of cases, it is said the resurrected individual had a wicked spirit. When they walked among the living, they were too restless to simply lay in peace for the rest of eternity. Instead, their spirits are driven to reanimate their bodies, terrorize the living that left behind when they passed into the afterlife. Others seem to have resurrected because of nature of their death. And this is common for people who died of the brutal deaths and murders. They were known to harass their living relatives. In some cases, they returned to exact revenge on their murderers. And sometimes it was done through bringing sickness, disease to the guilty households. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just, you know, to murder out directly. It was more torture. Uh, While in other cases, they would just kill specific people that were somehow involved. So what would happen after they finished their unfinished business? Well, getting rid of revenants is my next topic. Okay. Go figure. So revenants are seen as these disturbed spirits, but to put one to rest, you got to dig up its grave during the safety of daylight hours. Okay. We're back to daylight here. Yep. While there have been attempts to bring down a revenant during the night hours, uh, it's considered dangerous and extremely difficult. Okay. Episodes of Supernatural have taught us that. Uh, It was common practice to attempt to put the revenant to rest by digging up its grave during daylight hours, decapitating the corpse. Okay. The heart must then be staked or removed and then destroyed. Okay. Yeah. After this, this shows the age of it because all that stuff is still, Mm -hmm. you know, in there. (laughs) After this, uh, the corpse was either burned or sprinkled with holy water before being re-entered. Into, into its the, its final resting yep. place. And this was thought to help uh, keeping the, the revenant from rising again. The head was often disposed of separately. Sometimes it was also burned, and the ashes were either burned or consecrated uh, to the ground or scattered, you know, mm-hmm. in winds or to something winds, like yeah. that. Uh, other times the head was thrown into a river or lake. It was thought that the many sins of the evil sinner would weigh down the head enough to prevent it from rising again. Mm. Now, if it finished its business, so to speak, mm-hmm. what you would have in that case is it's done. It's completed its uh, its deal. Right. It's, it's finished. So it just goes back to its grave. Yeah. Yeah. And rests. Yeah. In peace. Rests in peace, so to speak. Okay. So uh, Revenants and Hollow's Eve. Uh, Hollow's Eve was uh, seen as a way to get rid of many evil spirits, mm-hmm. and Revenants were no ex- exception. The creatures were commonly included in the yearly celebration because it was thought that issues with the deadly beings could be avoided if they were properly celebrated and guided into the afterlife. Okay. It's kind of like chauffeuring them in. Go toward the light. <laughs> we get it. We do. Come on here. You know, have a seat. Tell me your problems. It was thought to be a celebration that was mutually beneficial because the living would be able to go on without fear of these uh, creatures and the dead would be guided into an afterlife that was presumed to be much more pleasant than continuing to roam the earth. So during Hallow's Eve, people would pray for the dead and recently departed to help guide them to the afterlife. They would also pray for those trapped in purgatory in the hopes that their prayers would help their dead relatives ascend into eternal paradise. Right. Although Hallow's Eve was seen as a time when the world could be rid of evil creatures like the Revenant, precautions were still taken to ensure the safety of all those who participated. 
This often included leaving small food and drink sacrifices for those who recently died and protecting oneself by dressing as the opposite gender or as a certain kind of revenant. Okay. This was thought to prevent spirits from taking out their wrath on the living by confusing them with different garb. Right. And making them more docile with, you know, luxuries and and things to ease their suffering. So trying to trick them. Yep. 13 pennies. 13 pennies. Keep counting. (laughs) How many there? 12. Try again. (laughs) Is that our first shirt? How how many you got now? 13 pennies. How many you got now? A nine. Try again. Oh, daylight's coming. (laughs) Just keep going. They're going to be like, oh, God. So there are some stories of revenants. Okay. And uh, they're oldies, which I just love the oldie stories. Okay. Uh, There's William of Newburgh. And basically, this was uh, 12th century. And uh, it was a story, Historia, by William of Newburgh. Eleven. Uh, William of Newburgh uh, was born 1136 and passed away 1198. Okay. Briefly recount stories he heard about revenants, as uh, do the works by his contemporary Walter Mapp. But William wrote that uh, stories of supposed reverence were a warning to posterity, and so common to that. Quote: Where I write, uh, where I to write down all the instances of this kind which I have ascertained to have befallen in our times, the undertaking would be beyond measure laborious and troublesome. So apparently... Lots of stuff. William and Newberg had a lot of stories. Tons of them. Are his stories going to be our stories? Right now they will be. Okay. One story involves a man of evil conduct, absconding from justice, who fled from York and made the ill-fated choice to get married. Just don't. Same problems. (laughs) Becoming jealous of his wife, he hid in the rafters of his bedroom and caught her in the act of infidelity with a local young man, but then accidentally fell to the floor, mortally wounding himself, and died a few days later. Newberg describes, A Christian burial indeed he received, though unworthy of it, but it did not much benefit him for issuing by the handiwork of Satan from his grave at nighttime and pursued by a pack of dogs with horrible barkings. He wandered through the courts and around the houses while all men made fast their doors and did not dare to go abroad on any errand whatever from the beginning of the night until the sunrise for fear of meeting and being beaten black and blue by this vagrant monster. Hmm. A number of the townspeople were killed by the monster. And so thereupon, snatching up a spade of but indifferent sharpness of edge and hastening to the cemetery, they began to dig. And whilst they were thinking that they would have to dig to a greater depth, they suddenly, before much of the earth had been removed, laid bare the corpse, swollen to an enormous uh, corpulence, with its countenance beyond measure, uh, turgid and suffused with blood. Love the language back then. Yeah. While the napkin in which it had been wrapped appeared nearly torn to pieces, the young men, however, spurred on by wrath, feared not, and inflicted a wound upon the senseless carcass, out of which which incontently flowed such a stream of blood that it might have been taken for a leech filled with the blood of many persons. Then dragged it beyond the village, they speedily constructed a funeral pile, and upon one of them saying that the 
the pestential body would not burn unless its heart were torn out. The other laid open its side by repeating blows of the blunted spade and thrusting in his hand, dragged out the accursed heart. This being torn piecemeal and the blood uh, and the body now consigned to the flames. In another story, Newberg tells of a woman whose husband recently died. The husband revives from the dead and comes to visit her at night in her bedchamber. And he not only terrified on her awakening, but nearly crushed her by the insupportable weight of his body. This happens for three nights, and the revenant then repeats those nocturnal visits with other nearby family and neighbors and thus become the serious nuisance. Eventually extending his walks in the broad daylight around the village, eventually the problem was solved by the Bishop of Lincoln, who wrote a letter of absolution upon which the man's tomb was open, wherein it was seen the body was still there. The letter was placed on his chest and the tomb sealed. Just write a letter, yep. put it on there. Done. You are forgiven. Rest. Just stop. Just don't. Just don't. Just don't. <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to get into that one. No. So then there's the Abbot of Burton. The English Abbot of Burton tells the story of two runaway peasants from about 1090. Nice. Yeah, this goes back. Who died suddenly of unknown causes and were buried. But the very same day in which they were interred, they appeared at evening while the sun was still up, carrying on their shoulders the wooden coffins in which they'd been buried. The whole following night, they walked through the paths and fields of the village, now in the shape of men carrying wooden coffins on their shoulders, now in the likeness of bears or um, dogs and other animals. They spoke to the other peasants, banging on the walls of their houses and shouting, move quickly, move, get going, come. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine just hearing some noise outside your house? And then you go and, and you And you look. just hear, move quickly, move. Get going, come. And then you see these just two straggly looking things carrying wooden coffins. And it's not October. Uh, it's June. <laughs> no, thank you. The villagers became sick and started dying. But eventually the bodies of the revenants were exhumed their heads cut off, and their hearts removed, which ended the spread of the sickness. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, there's a chronicler, uh, Walter Mapp, who I spoke of earlier. Right, yes. A Welshman uh, writing during the 12th century tells of a wicked man in Hereford. Hereford? Hereford. Hereford, who revived from the dead and wandered the streets of his village at night, calling out the names of those who would die of sickness within three days. The response by Bishop Gilbert Foylet was dig up the body and cut off the head with a spade, sprinkle it with holy water, and re-enter it. Okay. Done. I think what would be interesting is... For the other bishop to be like, all you have to do is write a letter of absolution and put it on their chest. Yeah. I mean, seriously, yeah. you people. Just, why, why are you chopping people's heads off? You just need the letter, dude. You just need a well-thought, well-written letter. Yeah. You, know, you and, just need to write a sad poem in your journal yeah. and move on. 
It'd be funny if like these were the serial killers of the era and then they would come and say, look, all these people are dying. I got a solution. Mm -hmm. We'll do this and it's all set. It's done. And then they leave (laughs) and go to the next town. And it's just the same grifting scheme over Over and and over over again. again. That's kind of what I thought about it. Be weird. So basically, uh, there's some possible inspirations for Revenants. Okay. There's vampires, which Mm -hmm. makes sense. You know, I mean, uh, vampires, it's necessary for the creature to drink blood in order to survive. Without blood, the creature would become malnourished and even die. Uh, With Revenant lore, the creatures don't need blood to survive or any other sort of sustenance and appear to, uh, you know, but they would appear to drink blood out of their victims as like this, like, act of pure violence and hatred right and so uh you know these these differences were able to have the vampires and remnants remnants distinguished from each other yeah werewolves were known to you know be produced by those who charmed wolves or had contact with the devil and were given a wolf skin to roam within the night you know and there was a bunch of other uh, parameters, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, these creatures were greatly feared, and whenever a werewolf was suspected in the community, they were often executed quickly along with their closest friends and family. Yeah. That was weird when we were doing the werewolves episode, like how committed they were. Oh, yeah. Like, they were once, all in. Once they defined a werewolf, like, we're going to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. We're just going to clear cut the whole thing. Yep. <laughs> the bloodline, the Apples, family. Apples, trees. Yeah. Fuck yeah. that shit. And because werewolves were thought to have magical powers, it was considered especially uh, difficult to ensure that the creatures stayed dead after they were executed. Because of this, it was quite common to hear of stories where werewolves rose from their graves, came back to haunt the living. Mm-hmm. These stories often started with the brutal slaughter of those responsible for the werewolf's death, yep. though this was not always the case. Uh, for some reason or another, wolf uh, revenants were thought to be especially fond of haunting battlefields and other areas that had been or were about to uh, be devastated by war. Mm -hmm. They uh, were said to lie and wait for soldiers to sustain injuries so they could drink the blood of the dead and dying soldiers before having to return to their grave sites in the morning. Mm -hmm. It's a tough day's work. You know, you got zombies. There's a lot of similarities between zombies and revenants. Uh, Perhaps the most uh, similarities out of all types of undead. Right. These would be very, very close, and uh, but they're also given their own distinct category. The most important difference between a revenant and a zombie is that a revenant chooses to reanimate its corpse. Yes. Whereas a zombie is typically brought back from the dead by another's power. Yes. Similarly, uh, while a zombie is typically at the disposal of the person or power that brought it back to existence... A revenant has its own agenda, is right. in control of its own actions. Right. And check uh, out our zombies episode. Yeah, you have a uh, a draugr, and uh, that's an undead creature that appears in Norse mythology. Okay. We're um, I'm going to lightly touch this because this is stuff I'd like to do in Later? the future as okay. well. Because I mean, there's just tons of Norse stuff to to hop into. But these types of revenants also guard some sort of treasure that was buried with them. And they're said to have supernatural strength. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting about this version of a revenant is that they are supposedly uh, a sea draugr and a land draugr. Oh, okay. Yeah. You have an incubus. Uh, and basically, 
King James of Britain writes that incubi sometimes uh, use similar tactics to that of a revenant when trying to have sexual relations with mm-hmm. women. Supposedly, these creatures are known to possess and reanimate a dead body in order to have sex with a woman. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a hey, stretch. There's a succubus, which yeah. is the male version uh the female the female version yeah. to have sex with the males yeah. so but i mean as much as i would love that to happen to me i couldn't do it with like a corpse looking thing so that's where the incubi i think it's you know it's not the typical revenant mm-hmm. oh i smelt them coming first but i had to have them you know that's <laughs> I like a I like a real rough revenant, but there are many different speculations as what's caused the widespread fear for revenants. This is kind of like the explanation of the myths, so to yeah. speak. Uh, the most common and perhaps logical is that bodies were not buried deep enough, and were sometimes unearthed and made known to civilians. Uh-huh. And it is thought that the advanced uh, decomposition would have been ghastly and monstrous to these people who didn't understand that this was a natural process right and then the idea for a body to swell up with blood as a natural part of the decaying process would have seemed alien to these people right it is well known that corpses who were not buried properly pose risk of spreading disease to a community so this would explain the major theme of death and disease being spread by revenants okay i think that's really it in a nutshell with them you know i mean that's uh you know i think that that alone where if a corpse wasn't buried properly and would arise up either from right. like a flood yeah. or a storm and now it's spreading that disease, it could take there's, on this uh this mythical this mythical story, so to speak. There's a story from down south mm-hmm. where there was a um a massive flood in the town and all of the caskets came up out of the ground mm-hmm. and they and they all just kind of like traveled down uh the street uh, no it was more like a river oh yeah yeah and, like wherever. they displaced themselves <laughs> and then they were talking about the ghostly encounters that were happening after that event after that event with the flooding and the caskets floating away mhm the the town was just inundated with, they were like rest, restless spirits because it was almost like they were saying, find my body. Yeah, yeah. Put me back. No, and that's where you get into a weird thing of like where the brain starts mm-hmm. going on its weird journey, mm-hmm. doing weird shit that no one can explain. Doing its brain shit. Yeah. Yeah. Versus just reality of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely, it's, it's a weird thing with these stories with like the Rougarou and the Reverend Revenant that it can get out of hand fast, real fast. And like when we did werewolves and vampires and Mm -hmm. like, it's weird how quick that would go crazy. spreads like a disease. That was the most amazing thing I found reading about werewolves when we did the werewolf episode was like, once someone became a werewolf was like classified a werewolf, like people didn't fuck around like there was the steps and like you had to do this and like just switch off and like be cold-blooded like this is to protect the town yeah this has to be done 
Mm-hmm. And to think of it that way, you know, and it's just nuts that it literally like, like it doesn't matter if you think werewolves are real when it comes to these stories. Right. They thought they were real. Yes. And they were in their doing minds, this. In their, they were real. In their minds, they were real. And they were doing these things. They and were doing what needed to be done to protect the many. They were doing what needed to be done to make themselves feel safe. Yes. That's what I learned from doing all that. Yeah. And and it's weird because those episodes, I mean, that was over, that's a year ago since we did that, over a year ago. And there's still parts of those episodes doing the research that I'd look around and I'm like, it hits me in the face a year later. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I definitely recommend listening to Werewolves and, and, and checking that out if you haven't, because it's a weird thing that we didn't really get into on a deep level. Like if we no. were to do werewolves again, I know we would have camped out on that deep level of they did whatever it took for them to feel comfortable again. Yeah. Because yeah. there's this unknown thing in front of them that they can't touch. They know something's wrong. Right. They know something's going on because it's right there, right in front of them. It's mm-hmm. a tragedy of some kind, but yet they feel like something has to be done to make themselves feel right about it. Yeah. And so they come up with these crazy schemes of eliminating literally a whole family. I mean, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they if, took out the entire bloodline. Yeah, they would take out the bloodline or the family or, you know, then you had those folks that had the members that cared about the family and they're like, you got to go. You got to take off, you yeah. know, because we're, we're running you out of here. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. But that's where I look at these stories and. Uh, yeah, it's not about whether they're real or not. It's it's people made them real. Yeah. And they acted accordingly. Mm-hmm. And they're different in every scenario. This is real. Vampires is was different. Werewolves mm-hmm. were different. Witches were different. Mm-hmm. Revenants were different. Yeah. You know, they, but they all are this giant uh, question mark that they can put towards something that they don't feel uncomfortable about or comfortable about. Right. And uh, it's it's weird how humanity does that. That's yeah. where uh, this dude I work with, um, we were talking about cool movies and like genius plots. And I love, I think The Cabin in the Woods is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's campy. Yeah. It's got all that stuff. But that deep story is genius to me. Yeah. Because there's the whole part. I mean, if you haven't watched it, definitely watch it. But a spoiler is coming because that part where... You know, they're going into the camp. It's like, oh, it's this uh, basic horror movie. Right, yeah. We already know what's going to happen because mm-hmm. they got the jock dude. They yeah. got the hot chick. Oh, yeah. They got the nerdy guy. The playbook. They've got the playbook right in front of you. It's like, you know, it's it's out there in the open, not hiding itself. No. Just shamelessly presented forward. They even have the crazy guy at the gas pump that, like, brings them, you know. It sends them out sends there. Sends them out there and yep. all that. It has all the ingredients of a campy horror flick that you've watched forever and then it takes the spin where it's the game down yeah. in the lab and everybody's like and they're, they've got odds we on everything this, yeah and they got yeah. the odds chart they got all that and you're sitting there like this is awesome who had mermaid <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there's the one guy that wanted merman the whole time yeah. you know and never yep. gets it and and then you're like oh this is cool and you feel like all right, I'm in the movie now. This right, is, you yeah. know, and this You're is like part of it. perfect manipulation of a 
a viewer. Mm -hmm. And then right at the end, when you're thinking, all right, the whole lid's coming off because the person's attacking in there and they're attacking the lab and they're going to screw the game up and all that stuff. But there was a bigger game all along. And it was this game of this terrible force that they were giving sacrifices to because if they didn't, Right. This whole force would come in and destroy the world. And right. just like, yes. and that's where I often wonder when I hear these stories and there's these sightings, like the guy you read on Reddit, like it might've been a writer just, you know, mm-hmm. getting a thrill out of something or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what if it is true? Yeah. And like people that have these vampire stories, what if those yeah. are true? Mm-hmm. And I often think of the cabin of the woods every single time. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, yeah. Okay. What if it is true? What if there's this whole under layer that aliens, (laughs) it's the aliens under the ocean. Yeah. Or it's just the aliens are part of that lore to keep you in this check thing, you know, and and you're part of the sacrifice. Like, cause the aliens take people, some Mm -hmm. come back, some don't, you know? And, and yeah, I thought cabin in the woods was just brilliant on that. I, I don't think there's been another movie of its kind no. And here's the thing. You can't because you're copying them. Right. Yeah. It's just a like sheer just like genius of uh of that movie. With the spoilers and you still haven't seen it, I would check it out cuz yes. it's it's cool. It's, it's worth good. it. It's, it's worth nice, the watch. Nice reveals. Uh some yeah, so that's me with uh with Revenant. Yep. Uh some announcements to make. Uh we hope you guys are having a awesome spring going into summer mm-hmm. in the in the climates that matter to you. I know mm-hmm. in in New York we're enjoying the warmer weather outside yes, of the I rain. I know not every place has the warmer weather. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Yeah. But with uh with that being said, I really wanted to thank everybody who's listening to us in this nice weather. Yes. With the nice weather coming out and you're still uh listening to us whether you're taking a walk or a jog or in your commute to your car. Right. Or you're yeah. listening to us at work, whatever. Thank you so much. Yeah. We appreciate the support. And we if do. you, and as always, if you know somebody who would be into us, let them know. If there's a creepy story that you would like to hear us, uh, as always wax poetic on. Yeah. Email us at OTH at seriously You can do that. Mm-hmm. And as far as any other announcements, we have the things we're into. We're not going to repeat them again. Nope. They're in our show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, check those out. Uh, I have added um, the link for Llewellyn Worldwide for my witches. If that's your jam, they're an excellent resource for, like, uh, they have almanacs. They have calendars. Yeah, they have, have to give books. Me that so I can they have resources. The I share it in the group. Um, yeah, give it. At least weekly. Yeah, but not everybody's connected to the group. Okay. That's a lot of people aren't connected to All the right, group. All right, I'll give you a I'll give you a link for that as yeah, well. Yeah, no problem. So this closes up May. It does. And we get into June. Yes. Which is a heavy heavy month here. Yes. As I'm looking at the list. Yes. Nostradamus yes. next week. The man who saw tomorrow. Or did he? That that's what we're gonna unpack. Yeah. yeah. It is. Cause uh I remember my aunt quoting him as though it were gospel truth. Yeah. There were some people that. Oh, yeah. Nostradamus predicted this. He predicted the world wasn't going to go past 
the year 2000. Yeah. He predicted that there that there was going to be a third world war and it was going to be the bloodiest war. Mm-hmm. And that was supposed to happen before 2000. Yeah. Yeah. It uh It's going to be fun, guys. Yeah. I remember growing up there was that kind of period. And I don't know if that's just like every like person at that age like discovers Notre Dame at a certain age well, and like it's pulled into there it. There was there there was a book about him. Mm-hmm. And then I believe yeah. he himself wrote a book. Oh, there's a few. But I I'm pretty sure there was a a movie or a documentary that there's, came out and that's what of. prompted everyone especially when we were kids yeah. to be throwing him around like he was Moses. Well, and the thing, well, we'll get into that yeah. on the episode. But, yeah, if you want to know where Nostradamus came from, mm-hmm. his early years, mm-hmm. and his what we'll call productive years, and his uh, his post-life memoriam, mm-hmm. so to speak, check us out next week. Yep. In June. Yep. And uh, rule number one. No. VG boards. No Ouija boards at all. Two. No dolls. No dolls. Three. No capes. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. None. And if you're going to do a blood ritual, don't cut the palm of your hand. Oh, that always drives me nuts. I know. I know. It's the most functional part of your body. Yeah. So I you mean, got all these other it, places. It takes the it takes the longest to heal. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. why can't you do the top of the forearm? Mm-hmm. You know, or just poke a digit. No, because you use your digits, you know? I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know, somatic (laughs) effect, I guess. Next. No cults, satanic or otherwise. No, no. If you're going to lose weight, lose weight for you. You don't need to lose weight for Jesus. Uh, If you want to talk to him on your own terms, Mm -hmm. be like, hey, Jesus, you want to help me lose some weight? That's fine. Yeah. But, uh, you know, don't go in debt Mm -mm. Mm -mm. buying the the courses to... uh, lose weight for don't Jesus. uh don't drink the flavor aid or kool-aid because who knows well yeah i guess could be anywhere man is that all the rules no there's more there's more oh my goodness number six is no apathy you need to act True. believe it or not yeah you have to do something yeah. to change the way the world is going yeah and you can't you can't be a passenger no i well you can be you can be but you can't really complain that all, the a, a the whole, journey sucks. A whole bunch of stuff's going on. Right. Yeah. Get, Get in the game. There. Get in the game. Suit up. Yeah. Get off the bench. Exactly. That's got to be all the rules. <laughs> Get off the bench. <laughs> That's our shirt. Yeah. Get off the bench. Get off the bench. What do you say, eh? <laughs> That's all, all right. the rules, right? Yeah. No? Uh, no. Number seven is don't let the black-eyed children in. Don't do it. No. No way. That's any time of year. Correct. Yeah. Don't give them whatever it is they're asking for. No. no. If they ask for a ride. Yeah. Nope. That's the that's the one time you don't act. No. That's. They want to use your phone. Yeah. Nope. Point them over to the neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and after that one. Just listen. Yeah. Just listen. Yes. Okay. So. Thank you all for joining us this week. Yes. Listen to us uh, ponder about rugaroos and revenants. And and as this drops, it will be Memorial Day here in the States. It sure will. Uh, 
please take a, a moment mm-hmm. to remember yeah. how and how we got here. How we got here. And the sacrifices that... We got here off the backs of sacrifices. Correct. We're Full the, stop. The land of the free <laughs> because of the brave. Full stop. Yep. So with that being said, have a lovely day, a remembrance of those who sacrificed. Yes. Have a lovely week. Yes. And please, for the love of God, make good choices. Take care.